Dinah Lance is a fighter, and her one-woman war is against the czars of crime, the frightened men who dread the blonde bombshell, otherwise known as Black Canary. Hi, everybody. It's another episode of Flowers and Fishnets, a Black Canary podcast. I'm your ever-loving blue-eyed host, Ryan Daly, also known as Count Druncula in certain circles. Folks, I'm a dog person. I love dogs. My dogs, your dogs, dogs I see on the street, dogs I see in cars when I'm driving around. I'm Facebook friends with at least two people who work in animal rescue shelters, and I liked a U.S. veterans group page that posts a lot of videos of soldiers coming back from overseas being reunited with their dogs. I say that because a very, very sizable chunk of my Facebook feed is just videos of adorable dogs, and I love them all. I wasn't always like this, though, because I didn't have a dog when I was growing up. My mom is not a dog person, and I'm allergic to cats and other types of animals, so I just never got a dog when I was a boy, and it never even occurred to me to really want one. But almost four years ago today, the wife and I rescued our first dog. Later this week, she'll turn six years old. The dog, I mean, will turn six, not my wife. And to celebrate my fourth anniversary of being a dog owner and dog lover, I want to cover one of my favorite Black Canary and Green Arrow stories that just so happens to feature a very special four-legged creature. Action Comics issue 440 is cover dated October of 1974, but it would have hit the shelves on July 30th of 74. The cover, by Nick Carty, features Superman haunted and harassed by the ghosts of his parents, Jor-El and Lara. But I'm not here to talk about the Superman story in this comic. My focus is on the Green Arrow backup strip, and a story called Little Dog Lost, written by Elia S. Magan, drawn by Mike Grell, and edited by Julius Schwartz. We open at Star City Harbor, where a number of stray dogs scrounge for scraps of food. One of the strays, however, isn't looking for food, but a man. The all-white dog doesn't remember much, but he knows the man he seeks can fly. And this creates some confusion when the first flying man he sees is Green Arrow, flying on a rocket pack toward a smuggling ship that is docked at the end of the pier. The dog follows the Emerald Archer to the ship. Green Arrow sneaks aboard, looking for Professor Steelgraves, who has been smuggling some bizarre mad science weapons and technology into Star City. 
Arrow confronts Steel Graves below decks, but he's ambushed by the hired muscle, a big dumb brute named Maxi. Professor Steelgraves makes a run for it while Green Arrow is indisposed. The stray dog, somehow sensing the need to thwart his escape, tugs on a rope that serves to trip Steelgraves. Green Arrow takes out Maxi and then heads up top where he finds the smuggler sprawled on the deck and tangled up in rope. After wrapping up the case, or so he thinks, Green Arrow, in his civilian identity of Oliver Queen, pays a visit to his girlfriend at the Pretty Bird Flower Shop. Ollie fiddles with a new trick arrow while he tells Dinah about the strange capture of Steelgraves. Dinah hears a scratching at the shop's front door, and when she opens it, she finds that same stray white dog. It had sniffed Green Arrow back at the docks and followed him all the way to Dinah's store. But the dog doesn't arrive alone. It carries in its jaws one of the crazy weapons that Steelgraves was smuggling. And when Ollie touches the device, it fires an energy beam right at Dinah. Suddenly, her perception changes. Dinah no longer believes she's in her flower shop with Ollie and the dog, but rather in a dark cave full of monsters with guns. Instinctively, Dinah lashes out and judo chops one of the beasts, which is actually the dog. As Dinah fights the other monster, which is really her boyfriend, the stray paws at the device until it turns off, ending Dinah's hallucinatory illusion. The couple realizes this is no ordinary dog, and Ali realizes that the smuggling ring demands further investigation. The six-page story ends with Green Arrow addressing the reader, saying, I couldn't come up with these answers in time for this issue, but you can bet it'll be worth the wait to get your mind boggled along with mine in next month's Mystery of the Wandering Dog. And I'll be back with a review of that story right after this break. Hello, podcast listener. My name is Russell Bragg and I host a podcast called The DC Comics Presents Show. Every episode, I talk about the DC Comics Presents comic, starring Superman. I will be detailing all 97 issues, plus the four annuals. I will be spotlighting the DC character that Superman teams up with, plus I will be looking at the comic spinner rack to see what other comic books were on sale. So join me, Russell Bragg, for each exciting episode of The DC Comics Presents Show. Please go to the show's website, at www.dccpshow.com for more information. That's DCCPSHOW. Action Comics issue 441 hit shelves on August 29, 1974, despite its November cover date. Nick Carty drew the cover once again, which showed Superman fighting the Flash in Central City. This referred to the Superman story, which was written by Kerry Bates with art by Kurt Swan. And yet again, this issue of Action Comics featured a six-page backup story starring Green Arrow, this one called The Mystery of the Wandering Dog. We spend a page and a half recapping what happened last issue, with Green Arrow busting a smuggler and a strange bit of tech that makes Dinah Lance hallucinate about monsters. We're reminded that the mysterious stray dog followed Ali because he's looking for a man who can fly, and he saw Green Arrow flying with a jetpack to crack down on the smugglers. Ali and Dinah know there is something odd about this dog, but they can't put their finger on what it is. Dinah names the dog Damien, or Demian, D-E-M-I-A-N, which is odd in itself as I've never seen that name spelled that way. Anyway, Ali and Dinah change clothes and emerge as Green Arrow and Black Canary. They head out to investigate the smugglers, leaving Damien locked in the Pretty Bird flower shop. Well, locked for a couple of seconds, anyway. 
because almost immediately after the heroic duo leave, the dog rips the handle right off the door, displaying a super level of strength. Elsewhere, Professor Steelgraves is being transferred from one police precinct to a cell in a different building. As the cops bring him outside, Green Arrow creates a diversion that allows the smuggler to escape from police custody. Now, in case you think Ali is crazy, or he's turned evil, or he's just stupid, know that he's really only one of those three things. Stupid. But he arranged for Steelgraves' escape with the police's cooperation so that he could follow the smuggler back to his hidden cache of goods. The Emerald Archer and the Blonde Bombshell follow Steelgraves to a warehouse hideout. They bust in through the skylight, but Steelgraves had time to activate another one of his mad science weapons. A pair of energy beams strike out at Ollie and Dinah, and it seems to turn them into skinny, weak, old hags. Steelgraves begins to monologue about his evil plan when he's suddenly interrupted by Damien the dog bursting through a steel-plated wall. The incredible dog tackles the machine, which simultaneously falls on Steelgraves, knocking him unconscious, and also reverses the aging effect on Dinah and Ollie. In the aftermath, the criminal is taken away in handcuffs, and Green Arrow and Black Canary realize that Damien is actually Crypto the Superdog, Superman's childhood pet. Unfortunately, this realization may have come too late. Crypto, suffering from amnesia for reasons that will be explained in a future Superman story, has wandered off to continue his search for his master, Superman. And the story ends with Ollie calling Clark Kent, telling him, The good news is that Crypto is alive and relatively healthy, but the bad news is that he is still lost. And that ends the mystery of the wandering dog. Listeners, I don't have a whole lot of commentary about these stories. They're pretty short and simple. Well, simple in a Bronze Age way, which means you have to allow for a degree of craziness and absurdity in the plot. Black Canary, honestly, she's barely a factor in these stories. In fact, she accomplishes more as Dinah Lance when she attacks Crypto and Ollie during her hallucination than she does when she's in her costume. So why am I crazy for this story? Well, as I said at the top, I'm a dog lover. This story hits me on a purely emotional level. We see a homeless dog that's just trying to find his master, and he saves the day and helps the heroes. As the French would say, that gets me right in the feels. And there are a few other bits that I really liked. I love the action in issue 440, when Green Arrow fights Steelgraves and Maxi in the boat. It's a lot of fun. And Elliot Magan does a great job with the dialogue to make these really throwaway villains just come alive with characterization. And Mike Grell's art on these issues is equally great. The action is fast and fun, and the characters look dynamic. Dinah is beautiful, even as Dinah Lance, her civilian identity, she's just as beautiful as she is when she suits up as Black Canary. And that's something else that I liked about this story. Dinah had appeared in a lot of these Green Arrow backup strips in action comics, but for a while she mostly served as his love interest with a flower shop that Ollie could use as a home base. Here we finally see her get in costume, and even though it's brief and honestly pretty pointless, it is a nice glimpse into things to come for both Mike Grell and Green Arrow and Black Canary. And now, Canary Correspondence, where I read your comments and give shout-outs to the people who promoted this show on social media. Twitter retweets came from Greg Araujo. That's it. Martin Gray tweeted, I'd never heard of Capoeira. He sounds a right rat bag. 
perhaps the new comic will bring him back. I hope they bring him back, Martin. I like the character. I think he has a lot of potential, if used appropriately. And thank you for introducing me to the word ratbag. I'd never heard of it or seen it in this context before. Got a couple of comments on the blogger page. Uh, one from Chris and Cindy Franklin. Chris wrote, I'm getting a bit of a Count Vertigo vibe off of Capoeira's visual, but Von Eden designed both, so it makes sense. He sounds like an engaging villain. Why do creators kill off villains definitively before they know if they have legs or not? I've never understood that. Good catch on the aesthetic similarities between Capoeira and Vertigo. As for why he was killed off before DC knew if he was a viable character, in this case, I don't think a lot of people at DC were paying attention to this book. I don't think Sarah Byam cared about the character, or else she thought there was supposed to be something really profound about his death, but that just failed to come across in the storytelling. Ange wrote, I have to agree, he sounds like the right kind of villain for Canary. I suppose if this series made it longer, he would come back from the dead, or his dancing brother would pick up the cause. And finally, an engaging cover where the spotlight is on the characters. I would be fine with either of those possibilities in terms of bringing the character back, because I really like the character, I like the design, and the threat that he poses. Diablo Frank wrote, You've been listening to the MPDC episode, so I'm in no position to criticize audio quality, but I did develop a minor case of carpal tunnel syndrome while listening to your show on the car stereo. Didn't notice any issues just now through my earphones, though. Shag hipped me to Levelator a while back, and brother, I'm here to hip to what's good for you. Dude, Frank, I just got Levelator for another project, and I love it. Shag told me about it months ago, but I completely forgot, but now I've got it. It's awesome. Frank goes on, full disclosure, I've had a pet character slash series concept involving a Capoeira-employing vigilante that's been developed off and on, as with most almost assuredly to inevitable fruitlessness beyond my own brain's personal entertainment since the mid-90s. In a queer bit of serendipity, it also involved a villain partially swiped from Charles Dance's character in The Last Action Hero, who turned a blind eye to the incestuous relations between blonde younger members of his family that he shepherded, well before I even heard of Game of Thrones even as a book. Plus, I also listened to the FW podcast's discussion of, among other things, Alien 3 this week. Here's my theory. This is Frank's theory. I'm still continuing his letter. Here's my theory. Capoeira was a throwaway character Bayam was using to prop up her criticism of vigilantism and had him killed off to serve as a lesson-slash-foreshadowing for Dinah finding herself on a similar path. She didn't even bother to give him his own gimmick beyond Capoeira, recycling Severance's M.O. Given a free hand and likely a textual character sketch of Draw Zorro, Trevor Von Eden over-designed Capoeira to entertain himself as he labored over the issue, pulling a reverse Esteban Corazon Diablo. Instead of Stan Lee using Diablo as an instance where he failed to realize a swell Kirby design as a viable character, Von Eden took a character that wasn't intended to be well-realized and accidentally elevated him to viability through his design. That said, I don't care for Capoeira, I'm glad he's dead, and I hope he burns in hell. Stay away from my bit, boy, and Tarantulas, and Severances, and Zoros. I can get behind this theory that Von Eden probably put more thought into Capoeira's look than Sarah Byam did just because he needed to. Frank and I have also talked in the past about how Diablo needed to be taken out of the Fantastic Four's rogues gallery and bequeathed upon somebody who needed better villains, somebody like Hank Pym or Doctor Strange or even Black Panther. And finally, Anonymous wrote, Man, am I glad you included that Bob's Burgers reference. 
You're welcome. I did it just for you, anonymous listener. And that's all for this episode. If you enjoyed the show, you can leave a comment on the blogger page, blackcanaryfan.blogspot.com. There you can contact me with any questions or comments. You can also find me on Facebook and on Twitter using the handle at blackcanaryfan or at ryandaily01. Or you can search the username Count Druncula. Flowers and Fishnets is not affiliated with DC Comics, and the views expressed on this show belong solely to the speaker. All music, audio clips, and quoted text are used for entertainment purposes, and are believed covered under fair use. And I make no money off this podcast, so no copyright infringement is intended. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.